Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Pilot Light, uh, a podcast where we watch a pilot and then we ramble about it. My name's David. I'm Sam. And this week we treated ourselves because work is oppressing us and we watched Friends, the pilot for the TV show Friends. Yeah, it's like a big comforting blanket. We we watched the uh, first episode of this very, very good TV show. I don't think that's a particularly insightful thing to say at all, but you know, this is this is well, still you, you mean you mean the biggest sitcom ever made, Sam? It's not insightful to mention that it's <laughs> the biggest it's quite good. Yeah, it's quite good. It's quite good. But from a personal level, uh, this is a show that I still keep coming back to. Even though really I didn't watch this when it came out, you know, I, I was a child when this was on television mostly well, and for for reference, the first episode this episode aired on the 22nd of September 1994. Yeah. yeah so, so I was like, 5. <laughs> but this show the show ran for 10 years, so by the time it ended or we've been watching in syndication for years, and 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 especially we talked on the Joey episode about friends hitting streaming, being like this, it making it just like transcend generations, and how my little sister who wasn't born until nineteen ninety nine, like really adores Friends and has seen all of it because of streaming, mm. you know, mm. and I think that's really cool, and you know, number one that it, the show can hold up that well. And yeah, too that it's you know it's got that sort of wide stream appeal. I think it's a it's a it's a testament to the to the writing and to the the cast and the, the whole the whole package really in terms of you know making a show that's still relevant twenty years ago in a way that you know perhaps something like Seinfeld isn't doesn't have that same cultural zeitgeist you know it is not captured in the same way. Um, so yeah, good for friends. But we are here to talk about the pilot, and we're quite deliberate about this, aren't we? We don't want to get into a big discussion about Friends just yet. We want to I talk think about. We will get into a big discussion about Friends, imaginary. Inevitably. So don't don't worry. But for the next ooh, maybe fifteen twenty minutes, we are going to just talk about this pilot and the production behind that. I think. So as tradition dictates, Sam, let's read a plot summary first thing. Sure. So uh, Monica and the gang introduce Rachel to the real world after she leaves her fiance at the altar. Um, and this episode is, as as a bit of a revisionism, um, officially on IMDb, it's it's called the one where Monica gets a roommate. But I think it didn't have that. That's a, that's you know not when it was aired. It was just the pilot. And then there's also other references to, to it. Be called the one where it all began. Yeah. Um, well, that's a, that's a friend's tradition, isn't it? Every episode was the one followed by a sort of, you know, a brief synopsis, except the very last episode and the very first episode. Mm, this mm, one yeah. being the pilot and the very last episode being um, the the last one, I think, um, which is a, a really uninteresting series of facts. <laughs> but here we are. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. So in terms of where this show came from, um, really it's 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 down to the producers uh, David Crane and, and Martha Kaufman, and they're the they're the two main um, folks at the beginning that were driving this show and really trying to kind of you know push it along and and, and get it picked up um, in, in its various guises as and different titles that it began with, and so you've you, you've got these two who I think had a kind of work already um, and were quite well known to the TV industry. They'd worked around, I think, and, and much like, you know, most most TV writers don't start off with their own show. They they write for other shows in a very small capacity and then this is kind of, a, this is a breakout though, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think they've written Dream On, which I've yeah. never heard of. Absolutely then, not. No, no, I'm not even going to click that link. And then, um, and then there's a couple of other shows that they were involved with that got cancelled after. You know, it's quite a traditional story, probably for for early on in terms of a TV, you know, TV writers and producers. Well, we've career. talked about this before. Like, so many series run six episodes, and so many more just run a pilot, and so many more than that never get their pilot aired. It's it's quite you know, for every every massive hit of a series, there are hundreds of failed ideas or you know failed developments and and you know obviously as a writer you're just going to come across that in the industry like anything else Mm, mm, yeah yeah and i think it's one of those real it's one of those real like success stories you know every time a tv show gets turned into a pilot like congratulations that's a really big step (laughs) yeah and and you might not ever achieve that ever again you know, it's I think it just, the the kind of diminishing returns on that is really quite high. It's maybe a different world now with Netflix and 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 Amazon and all these other producers. I think that we've... there's so much more out there in yeah. terms of even in terms of the amount of channels. I mean, in '94, Sky probably had under 100 channels. You know, it's it's probably it's a very different like world, like we said. Um, so, interestingly, I want to talk about just initially. So this was sort of always meant to be sort of an ensemble show about six friends in new york city and it was initially titled insomnia cafe (laughs) uh which is a title i absolutely love um really i really i really do i just uh i I really like the idea of like just these six burnt out people trying to make it in new york who were just are always drinking coffee i just i just think tonally i think it implies a very different show to friends but i love with the idea of it it's a bit darker, isn't it? And you think that maybe maybe they're, they're drinking something slightly stronger than coffee uh, after a certain point, you know. So yeah, it's it is it is it is um, it's a different show, but it has a probably a kind of working title as well. And that evolved, didn't it? The show's title evolved quite a lot, um, I think. And so this is this is the kind of first go um, from there. But I think the the the, the spirit of the show was always quite apparent and if you look at some of the early quotes and the early early kind of insights into insomnia cafe it's that ensemble cast which is not a it's not a common thing on tv you know we're coming from the world of seinfeld we're coming from the world where it's about a single um character or maybe a couple of characters but really centered around yeah um a main character and this show from the beginning, it looks like didn't really go for that. They were going for the ensemble, and then as the show progressed, I think it was really they had to hold on to that quite tightly to prevent it they becoming did. so the Ross actual show. I have a quote for the sort of original pitch, which I think is a good point to start at. So this is from uh, Corinne and Kaufman's um, original pitch for Insomnia Cafe. So it's about love. Uh, it's about sex, love, relationships, careers, a time in your life when everything's possible, and it's about friendship because when you're single and in the city, your friends are your family. And that's kind of like, despite the fact this show is called Friends, that's kind of the, I think, underlying thing throughout this series is that these six friends are much more like a family than friends, which is funny, mm. really. But like mm. it, it kind of, that underscores the whole season. And obviously the fact that they're all bloody married and related by the end of it is is by the by. But, you know, that is, is that, that sort of like that new style of family where, you know, especially when people in the 90s, you know, more and more and more people moving quite far away from home for work and and being in new places and building this whole you know new nuclear family 
with friends. Yeah, and quite quite a nineties thing as well. You know, I think there's like the idea of I think they talk about having a you know this kind of new surrogate family that they've created and 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 that's it. I think it's quite new at the time. It's it's something that you don't necessarily see very much of. I think it's, it's definitely new on TV. Yes, that's what. Yeah, of course. And 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 you're moving from you're moving from very much more traditional shows which featured literal families, you know, like the Brady Bunch or whatever else. Married, even even contemporary with this, married with children, and you know, it's, yeah. That family unit is a big source of like most TV, and this is kind of like bouncing against that in, mm-hmm. in a good way. And and that's where I think actually this is about who the tar- or who the target audience for this was, and I think it's much more pitched. It was much more pitched at the twenty something. You know, the, the people who um, I don't necessarily have much representation on TV in that way, or or only just beginning. You know, you, you're coming out of the eighties where the 70s and 80s which is very much about family tv and now it's kind of breaking out and it's the hip new 90s and you know there's there's a lot more um of of that audience so i think you are looking for something different and that's what i think they were trying to tap into um and of course all of their money because this is a very you know relatively wealthy target audience um who were able to to buy things from advertisements so I I think that's that's that the, the kind of genesis of that genesis of that is really important I think and and really has helped build the foundation of the show. Yes, definitely, um, very much so. So let's get into talking about the uh, the casting and the cast of this Sam I think, um, because like we said, this is a a true ensemble show, and you know and we'll get into the 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 rankings of the friends because they definitely exist, but you know there are six main characters of this show and and by and large. There are, you know, there are there are major storylines involving each of these six characters throughout the series, you know. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Which, as I say, I think is is something that they've had they had to really hold on to, and I think even the actors um, understood that very early on. And, and you know, there were examples of them uh, demanding that they only be featured on magazine covers together. Yeah, you know? well, there's a lot of like collective bargaining involved, and there was certainly a lot of a big push from Crane and Kaufman as well. Um, against the the sort of the network because the network obviously picked up fairly early on that that you know um, Rachel and Ross were the the two breakouts of this especially early seasons and they were really pushed for just more plots with just the two of them and there was big resistance from the writing staff and from Crane and Kaufman to say no there are going to be you know there's and, and I think it sticks to this is there are going to be about three plots an episode three you know an a an a b and a c and and all six friends are going to be involved you know. And I think it sticks to that pretty well. Um, like by yeah. and large, I think that you know, while Joey and Phoebe, for instance, are they never they're never the massively at the forefront. There's all there's always plot lines involving them, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they they kind of stick to that and that ABC structure, uh, which is quite a lot for a twenty minute um, sitcom. But like, it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that ensemble script, I think, as well, I think David Trimmers talked about how he wasn't particularly interested in the role and doing TV after some bad experiences in the past. And that when he read that it was an ensemble cast, he became you know more interested in it. I think he was he was the first one to be to be picked up as, as Ross. I think he was the only actor that they they wanted. They yeah, they, they, they the wrote the role wrote the role for him and they wanted him. And and I think that's quite funny, really, because it's interesting. And we'll talk more about this later. But it's interesting to track 
how big a stars the cast are now, and then to look back at the casting process of this and think, you know, who was the big get, so to speak? And it was David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer was the the one actor that they had to have. So just you know, they'd written this role for him. And nowadays, when was the last time you saw David Schwimmer in anything live action? <laughs> yeah, he's he's quite a big director now, isn't he? Obviously, yeah, um, and a big success. And I like a lot of his stuff, but he's not a Hollywood leading man, and he never really got there. It's quite funny, really. Whereas you know, um, Courtney Cox, I think, was probably the biggest name that signed on to this. Mm-hmm. The audition for one of the main actors. She'd been in a couple of films um, before coming on to this, and and has had you know quite a steady career since. Um, if you'd agree, um, yeah, yeah, I think she's she's done well as much as any of the Friends cast, you know, beside Jennifer Aniston, haven't really gone on to do that much. Um, but I, I think, think she's I think, probably had the most roles other than Aniston. I would say, if we ignore yes. Joey as being. <laughs> yeah, yeah an aberration well, let's just ignore that generally but what's it when you mentioned jennifer aniston what's interesting is that i think uh, courtney cox read initially for rachel and jennifer aniston read initially for monica and then they they switched you know in terms yeah. of um the, the actual roles they they took up at the end so it, well, i think that i think that cox was um courtney cox was they initially wanted her for rachel because they thought she was a bit too Bubbly. They wanted the Monica character, I think, to be that a little bit more sort of dour and sarcastic, and you can sort of see that in this character. But Courtney Cox is a bit more bouncy, and a bit more funny, and a bit more loud, and so they, that's why they wanted her for Rachel because they thought that she'd suit that better than Monica. And she basically like, and it's interesting to see as well. I think all of the cast had that immediate effect on the way the characters were written, and they've attested to that. That you know. It, the, the initial character they auditioned for was not the character that ended up being portrayed. Everyone brought a little something to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Spe- speaking of which, um, as we move on to, to, to Joey, um, it says here that Matt LeBlanc used the experience playing this Italian kind of dim character from Vinny and Bobby, <laughs> which I don't even know what that is. I've never even heard of that. It sounds um, Italian. It sounds Italian, yeah. It doesn't have a Wikipedia page. That's how that's how well known it is. Um, and I think Vinny, Joey was maybe, and I think Joey is probably the weakest character um, in this pilot. And we've discussed previously in in the Joey uh, episode um, a few weeks ago the the you know the struggles that the Joey character has had in terms of trying to kind of gain like. A reason and maybe a, a, some you know recognition. And I think just like like you said, it's the Joey character wasn't as defined in this, especially in the pilot and and throughout the series, and then obviously in his spin off, like any as much as any of the other characters were. Um, yeah. In this pilot, he's he's wearing cowboy boots and this huge belt buckle and a leather his jacket, hair. and his hair. It's it's something. It's a heady mix. The what the Joey character is. Even just looking like in this, in this pilot, um, and and I think that's maybe a reflection of the fact that they didn't quite know who Joey was in this. Well, I I think they they wrote him as um, a guy who loves women's sports, women, New York, and women. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a guy's guy, and I think I think that is I think he's he think I think he's the 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 weakest character up to this point because, you know, he really is just playing like. A bit of a stereotype, um, 
of of you know a guy's guy and it, and to be fair to that character he does progress quite a lot throughout the series but it takes it takes some time it takes longer than i think some of the other characters um you know the characters which are a bit more one dimensional in the first in this in the, in the pilot but the first season maybe uh, Chandler and Phoebe Chandler's you know he's there for the quips basically and i think i think they were, those two characters were both written as to be kind of side characters there to throw in a joke but not really do much more than that and obviously as the ensemble developed they um they they, they kind of pushed that further and and again both characters became really quite fleshed out but you can kind of see that in 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 this one where Phoebe's the weird one who's talking, you know, messing around with auras, and and I think she remains probably, but she remains that weird throughout. It's yeah, you know, with Joey, they kind of abandon some of the more, you know, the weird, you know, the sleazy ways dressing and and they kind of tone that down and they make him stupider. Whereas Phoebe, I think, it's a you know, it's not you know the character traits of being a weirdo. Um, is fine but it's you know the implication that that's how she remained um uh, interestingly just just briefly i was reading earlier and i had never once realized having watched this series god knows how many times that phoebe is supposed to be monica's old roommate which is how she knows everyone oh so that's oh. like so for, for some reason and that's how she's like what a group of the friends is that she used to live with monica and for whatever reason, she moved out, but she stayed a part of the friends group. Yeah, you don't really get much of. It's irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant. No, but it's the one sort of you know, what where what's Phoebe in all of this? Yeah, but yeah, because she doesn't really. I guess she doesn't really necessarily fit in like with the rest of the group in that sense, does she? Um, so, so that's the kind of that's the that's the cast, isn't it? And I think, you know, it, it's it's easy to, at this point after. 20 odd years and and um god nearly 20 what, 25 years jesus 26 classic that's insane i think after that long it's easy to say oh there you go there's there's a formed pilot and i think i don't know i don't know how well formed this is i don't know how well formed all the characters are i think you can see the i think ross and rachel are probably the ones that have had the most writing done to them in terms of you know getting that that feel right they're all a little bit exaggerated in the yeah. pilot they're all a bit you know everyone's talking like they're properly from new york and there's there's just there's there's a lot of um stuff that they i think they dial back even the second episode which i watched as well well i didn't i very specifically watched just the pilot because i didn't want to i did this i did this when we watched new girl and i really blurred the lines yes, uh, yes. but watching this pilot you are right and and it's and it's tough because in a twenty minute pilot, like the, you, the, there's only so much you can do, while still actually airing a TV show with a plot. Um, and I think this this walks a, a good line. And um, so I guess should we talk a bit more about the actual plots in this episode? Mm-hmm. Um, so the A plot, so to speak, is debatably. I think the A plot is probably uh, Monica's date. Is the A plot? Mm, so I would I would have said Rachel actually. I th- I I would in terms of the effect it has on the on the series as a whole, but I think in terms of how many how much screen time it gets, the the Monica plot gets yeah. loads more time than the Rachel plot. So I would say the Monica's A, Rachel's B, and uh, Ross's C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. okay, um, but I you know I'm willing to say that there's there's closeness and 
and like I said, this this show sticks really well to that ABC plot throughout the season, and it's a really strong way to do things because usually the A plots you you're, you're sort of emotional through line, um, your B plots probably still quite big and hard hitting, and your C plot can just be silly, uh, and and that runs throughout this. Um, so in the like I said in the pilot, your A plot is that Monica is going on a date with this guy who. You know, he's really sexy and '90s sexy, I suppose, um, which means he dresses horribly and has horrible hair. So he's like, um, he's like a, he's like a, a C minus in 2000, uh, 2020. Yeah, he's like dressed to go to church in 2020. <laughs> um, but in nineteen ninety four, he's like, ooh, look at that hot piece of something with his um, massive jacket. <laughs> so Monica's going on this date, and and we're sort of like told in a very, very like you know, easy and nice way that that monica doesn't date a lot and this is quite a big thing for her she's going on this date uh like I said, the b plot for me anyway and i honestly if there are any listeners who disagree please tweet at us at imaginary pod because i'd be interested but the rachel plot is rachel turns up at the coffee shop her and monica went to school together she's wearing a wedding dress she's run away from her husband at the altar and and that's kind of just kind of dropped in our laps, which is quite funny. And and then Rachel's living with them, and and that's sort of her introduction there. And then the C plot is that Ross is going through a really gritty divorce, and that's played for laughs a lot. His wife's a lesbian, ha ha ha, funny, funny, funny. And, and it's kind <laughs> of like it's kind of Joey and Chandler sort of like supporting him through that to a certain extent would be the C plot for me. Um, and that's quite a lot for a twenty-minute pilot, really. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, yeah, I guess there is there is quite a lot, isn't there? I haven't really thought about that before in terms of trying to pack all the different aspects of these characters in and also how difficult it must have been to write, you know, with a six-person ensemble throughout the whole series, but certainly in this episode where you need to introduce the characters so so well. And, and you know, as I mentioned, I think a lot of it's... All the characters are quite exaggerated, and I think that's probably why it's either... You know the writer's not really sure how to do it, um, to, to to kind of write each character properly yet, or not being fully formed. But I think probably it's the fact that they need to get across who these characters are super super quickly. You know, within and I the think, first and so you're minute. right. And I think that they use a lot of writing, a lot of sitcom shorthand for that, in a good way. But that's maybe why all the characters are quite so exaggerated because I think maybe the the writers sat down and they said. Right, we've got six characters. They each get two character traits. How can we portray those in a way that isn't exposition? And and then I think that's why you know we know um, Chandler's the funny one. Um, we know he has a boring job. Uh, Joey has one line where he mentions he's an actor, and he's hitting on Rachel. So you know we know he's he's into women, and it, those are examples of like each character just gets a little bit, but the show doesn't have the time to sort of sit and walk you through that. It just kind of has to to dump it out. Yeah, um, which is always tricky in a pilot. It is, and is, and I think I think the it looks to me like um, NBC were were kind of aware of that, and they they're actually pushed to get the the kind of you know B and C plots pushed down as subplots, and the and the producers had to really fight for it to say no, we want all of these the all of these three to run together, and you know what a decision because that really defined how the show works. It defined those those A, B and C plots that you get in almost every episode of Friends. And again, it held on to that ensemble cast all being equal, which I think is, you know, um, this would be such a different show if it was just Ross and Rachel, you know, or if it was just um, focused on Monica. 
Do you know what I mean? You'd have it would be completely different. And I think the identity of the show really does come back to this first episode and the writers understanding what they were doing, understanding what show that they were that they were creating. Absolutely, and and um, you know, to mention before, this is like the biggest sitcom ever made for me, and it's, and you know, I'm a I'm a sitcom guy, and this is kind of like the the pinnacle of what you need to do to run for ten years and still be, you know, and never really have a dip. And mm-hmm. that's a real, um, you know, obviously we talk about the pilot, but this series as a whole is phenomenally well, true true to itself. I think throughout and. And and like I said, all the characters continue to get their due, and the actors um, use collective bargaining. So by the by the last season, I think they were all earning a million an episode, which is a phenomenal amount seasons. of money for the last, the last two, two seasons. seasons. So which they, is they six million least... before you've picked up a camera or turned on a light. Yeah, that's just to get them in the building. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you six million times fifty odd episodes. Do you know what I mean? So it, it is extraordinary, extraordinary. Let's talk about the, the the whole show, though. I think we've done really, really well there. Twenty odd minutes just on the pilot is impressive for us. Oh, I wasn't timing it, but that's that's uh, that's, um, that's impressive. <laughs> so, and and to your point about like I I think I think Friends is a is a is a marvel. I think it's a marvel. I don't necessarily mean that in that it's amazing. I think it is. It, it's it's hard to believe that it's actually as good as it is. Because this is, you know, this was a, a show, yes, pitched at 20-somethings, but not exclusively. And the writers were very clear that they wanted to make a show for everyone. They didn't just want to make, the, you know, a really, like, subversive comedy. And they wanted to make a whole a show that everyone could enjoy. And 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 that's, to, to do that without becoming really, really dull and really, really banal and just being whatever, you know, married with children or whatever those those well, real it's just... it's hard to toe that line between i mean if you look at sort of sitcoms that came before this i can't remember what years cheers ended but cheers was the big you know flagship yes. sitcom in the u.s before this um and, and and cheers probably does the same thing cheers probably is able to appeal to a broad range of people but in a very different way i think cheers is much more static Yes. Um, whereas I don't think Friends was ever afraid of changing the status quo. No. Um, the, the the biggest example of that is when Chandler and Monica become a couple, I think, for me, is that that's quite a huge shift in the foundation of of your ensemble and of your of your cast. And that wasn't conceived from the very beginning. That was a... <laughs> on. I was reading earlier, that was something the writers were like, we need something to do with Chandler and, Mon- and Monica. And they were like, well, what if they got together? And that's kind of like, you know, one of my favourite plots throughout the series is, is their relationship and they just made it up to do something with them yeah. and but whereas cheers it's it's much more it has to preserve that will they won't they throughout its 10 years 10 year run so i mean admittedly they recast the female lead halfway through but it has to have that it's never as good when um ted danson and um shelly long are a couple it's always better when they're will they won't they they ing um, and i think friends is maybe a little bit less afraid of you know getting past that and that's tough for a show because that is a very engaging plot is that sort of you know oh we want them to be together but they're not and, and they do that with ross and rachel but in other ways they, they they're not afraid to make a mark and move forward differently mm. Mm. yeah 
Yeah, and I, I suppose it's I suppose it's taking. It, it, I, I guess it's learned from Cheers in that sense, then, isn't it? You know, in terms of trying to take what Cheers was really good at, which is building those characters that you know and love, and you can come and you know where everyone knows your name <laughs> every week, and and turning that into something that's a little bit more um, developed across the the various seasons. But also interestingly about Friends is that it's quite. It's quite a subversive show in its own way, and and some of the jokes that they go with, you know, it isn't dead broad. It isn't. It isn't really broad. It's actually there's actually some of the comedies is quite clever. It's quite sophisticated, and it's quite dirty as well. <laughs> there's a lot of dirty jokes in 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 in, in Friends. My favourite one is when um, I, I think it's the second or third episode, but Rachel ends up going back to Barry, and they're in his dentist office. <laughs> this is a good one you know what's coming and um they're lying on the dentist chair after they've you know done their stuff and um she's she's taught i can't remember the exact line but she basically remarks at the um at the dish which you know you spit out the the blue liquid in and says this is this is great doing it here look i've even got a handy little dish um because she she gave him a blowjob, and so there's just like this. <laughs> there's, there's in the nineties, in the nineties, on television, on mainstream TV, yeah. there's all of, and there's actually quite a lot of jokes like that. Where but it's clever and it's subtle. Where you can watch this and be ten years old, and and there really isn't a lot of like, do you know what I mean? It's not filthy. It's not, you know, there are dirty jokes, but it's not out. There's no grouping. filthy. If you there's weren't no looking, yeah, yeah, if you weren't looking for it you wouldn't find it and i think that's that's a sign of a quite clever it almost reminds me of the simpsons in that way that yes it it's clever enough in its writing that the characters can make a joke and it doesn't stop the show dead for you to get it you know it doesn't hammer it into you that you need to laugh at this funny joke we've made it's it's just a little bit more com- you know comfortable with itself and a little bit more okay and we're moving on because we've got a story to tell rather than let's just sit and really fucking enjoy our joke which some yeah. shows, especially shows with a film before a live audience, and you know, therefore with a laugh track, Big Bang Theory, do not get at all, and are the opposite. Um, yeah, there's there's no there's no attempt there, is you know, to to kind of to bring the audience with you in terms of the jokes you, you're telling, that that you're 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 telling. So, not everything needs to be Frasier, not everything needs to have you know, really, really, like, obscure references and, and it doesn't have to be like that. But I think what it does need to do and what t- what good TV should do is kind of bring the audience with you. It should it should g- give them something that they weren't expecting. You know, don't just reinforce the lazy joke. Don't just go down and use the simple um, mechanism to get to wherever you need to go in terms of the plot. You know, try something different. And that's what, that I think, is why Friends has persisted so well. I think the cast is strong. I think the the premise is good, but I think really the writing and the ability of the writers to to do something different is why this show has, you know, persisted for you know not far away from thirty years, which is which is nuts, which is nuts, and it will still be watched when it when it reaches thirty years yeah. in the millions. Um, a friend of ours, it's uh, our friend Ross, who does uh, who is on the podcast. In fact, when he got married, uh, a mutual friend did the, did the speech for the, as the best man, 
and uh, mentioned Friends and said, you know, made some crack about it being off the air for 10 years. And I'm thinking, well, that was five years ago and we're still we're still talking about Friends, you know? It's still really relevant. Nicholas dad. And Nicholas dad mentioned it in his speech as well. Yeah, well, no, um, Nicholas is a big thing for Nicola, isn't it? It's New yeah, York she, and it's... Yeah, she loved... She, she's always loved this. And I think it's a show that I, I had watched as a kid, but not really. Like, I didn't... We didn't really... Um, it's not something I watched, but certainly with Nicola and, and you know rewatching it is where I've really fallen fallen in love with it, and and that's that's the that's the kind of the the elements of the show that I that are really nice as you see as, as it progresses, you know you see the different the difference at the start to the end is really significant, and and it's great to be able to kind of follow that journey as well, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to do something, Sam, because um, you know our listeners will demand it. I want us to rank the friends. Hmm. But right, now, before we do, before we obviously, do. obviously, um, why Ross is the biggest friend, so he should just eat all of the other friends. <laughs> eat all the other friends, nice reference. <laughs> before we do that, can I just point something out that I think I'd I'd like to mention? Um, there are no; th- th- these are all white faces, and this is a thing that I that really. I think, yeah, <laughs> these are all. This is a thing that I think would be very different now. I don't, I don't think you could get away with. And I think they just about got away with it. The fact that there isn't a black friend and an African-American friend or a friend of any um, race. Of, I mean, I guess, Ita- you know, Joey's Italian is is, is maybe as I guess maybe quote, in 94, unquote, ethnic as they Maybe get. in 94, that was a bit like, ooh, an Italian. An Italian. But to, my mind, to my mind, there is, there is exactly one um, cast member of colour and it's the doctor that Ross dates in the last season. And she's a yes. recurring character, and that's it. I think I can't think of anyone else who's consistently on the show. And and I I think that's a real I think that's a real a real shame. And I, I don't think that reflects well on the time or the show. And I think they, you know, you look at shows now, and there is there is an ensemble cast of, of you know various. Um, well, it's, it's much more representative, especially of a city like New York, which is. You know, the melting pot of the world in a lot of ways. It's one of the most multicultural places, you know, is. of yeah, anywhere. Absolutely. And and this show does not represent it with all, like you said, all of these white English folk, you know, that we very rarely even get someone who isn't American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, very, very rarely. And that's not to put the show down. I think it's just a sign of the time it was made and of the demands of network television and, you know, the, the sort of bar they were trying to go for. Yeah. Um, I don't the, think the, it's outwardly exclusionary. I think it's just a product of its time. Definitely. And there are there are a couple of other things which we'll maybe not get into, but that, that really do date it in terms of, you know, the how problematic this show does become eventually. But um but there's I, I, a little bit of gay panic every now and then. There is gay uh, panic and there is some serious, serious transphobia <laughs> in the episodes with um Chandler's dad. Oh yes, yes, it yes, is, yes. It is appalling. It is utterly appalling, and we actually skip those episodes because it's just like, I can't, I can't. Nope, nope. Sorry, it's just too much. But anyway, you know, let's 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 focus. I think that's a good idea to rank them. So yeah, I think. So we're doing so, it based on on what. I who is the main character? There isn't a main character. But who is who is the main friend? Who is the top friend? The friend we see the most. The friend who gets the most focus. Um, I think it's got to be Rachel, isn't it? I was going to say Ross. 
Mm. Well, it's a close... I, th- I think they're one and two. You know, whichever one's which, I think they are the top two. I, I think Rachel, because it's... It's it's a lot of it's her story, and I think Ross is kind of reactive to her. So you know, like he when she it's her wedding day in the pilot, and she comes in in the dress, she's soaking wet, and Ross is always trying to catch up with what Rachel's doing. And I think as a, as the series progresses, that's kind of what you see is that Rachel goes off and gets the job. Rachel has the baby. Rachel does all these things, and Ross is. Is either butting against that or being, you know, trying to help out or whatever. But he's always kind of chasing it, and I. So I would say it's Rachel. I think it is close, but I, for me, I'd say it's Rachel. Uh, I, there's going to be obviously some disagreement, but I, I think I think Ross gets maybe, maybe like you said, maybe not quite as much focus. But there are, you know, there's a season where he's getting married to that woman whose name is not Rachel. Um, that the the British Emily. woman, Emily. It's kind of like the driving force through that whole series, and. In, and from what you're saying, like Rachel is the reactionary there. Do you know what I mean? It's that Ross has gotten engaged and Ross is getting yeah. married to this woman. And Rachel is, I think, very much her actions are informed by Ross's. So I do, I do think that's a two-way street. And I think, you know, we could argue about this for days. But as long as we could agree that they are the top, you know, number one and number two, I think, then... yes. Yes, Rachel because obviously their romance is that well, Ross number one, Rachel number two. Um, I just love a paleontologist, Sam. You know, dinosaurs are really. How cool. many paleontologists do you get on as main characters on TV shows? That's a good point. Exactly, good Sam. Point. Exactly, and I, I love the jokes about that. I love the, you know, Ross is the, the the only friend who has a very distinct separate life outside of the other friends. He has his, you know, he has his son and he has his own apartment and he has his job that we often and we of, we often see that. Whereas maybe we don't get that from the other friends because they're much more intertwined. You know, they all live together or they all work, to, you know, together, and we never really see Chandler's work. And whereas Ross has a very separate sort of existence, so to speak. And I think that's maybe for me why he would beat Rachel out just by that time he met. Okay. But that's I'm willing fair. to concede that no, no. you know one and two for the couple of them. I think that's that's completely reasonable. So who who's next then? So again, in a similar sort of way, I think Monica's number th- number three. Um, I'd agree, because you know, there's a family familial connection of like her and Ross being brothers and uh, brother and sister rather, and you know we get the parents quite a lot, and Monica's apartment being the main set as well, mm-hmm. I think is is quite a big factor, um, and kind of like by dint of Monica being three, I think Chandler has to be four. Yep. Uh, because you know, once they become a couple, um, in the London episode, in fact, um, you know, I think he's maybe elevated a little bit from being that goofy friend of Ross's to suddenly he they can put him in any plot because, you know, he's Ross's best friend, he's Monica's husband, you know, do you know what I mean? He can be doing anything, and and that's fine. And I think oh, that's often the case. Is they're like, right, what can we do with Chandler? Anything because he knows everyone. He's got close relationships with all these people. Yeah. So that leaves us, and we've talked about this before in the Jerry episode, that leaves us with Phoebe and Joey. Now, I do not know. I, I do not know. I have, a, I, have a, I have a gut feeling about this. Right, give me, give me a gut feeling. Joey, Phoebe. I have to agree. I'd have and to agree. I have a justification here. I have a justification here. And it's, conversely, that Phoebe has, lives much more outside of the Friends 
And rather than with Ross, where we get to see a lot of it, with Phoebe, we don't. You know, she has a place that she lives, but we never see it. Yeah. Um, and and so it's kind of like the the inversion of Ross. I think, and... I think there's al- there's also an element of um, how the characters develop, and I think that Joey develops much much more than and and you know. We talked about this on the Joey episode, didn't yeah, we? That, you know, by the end of the series, because... Joey is a much more rounded, much more likable character who has grown and learnt. Yeah, because he's a you know ridiculous stereotype at the start. Granted, <laughs> whereas I think Phoebe, whereas I think Phoebe doesn't necessarily have that same growth. She's pretty well formed and she's quite happy with herself and doesn't really want, doesn't really need to change. I think she ends up marrying Mike. Um, she has some, she has some, some really satisfying storylines. Um, yeah, the stuff with the mom's quite good. The and stuff with the mom and the pregnancy, and then she meets her dad, and then the sort of, uh, it's her and that man from The Simpsons, who to name. Hank Azaria, yeah. Um, she's that that kind of love triangle between her and Hank Azaria and, and um, Mike, is I think like a really nice, like reminding you that this character I think does get get attention and does you know get her share of the screen time, but like you said, is maybe is maybe lacking that grander ambition that makes her a really really engaging character. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the other characters, are, they have something they want to achieve. And so, talking about the end of the season, I suppose spoilers for sixteen years ago when this show end show ended. But by the end of the season, you have kind of like the Ross and Rachel love story culminating with Ross sort of following her, and and the implication being that they're gonna finally get together. You have Chandler and Monica moving on from the apartment, and they're gonna buy a house and raise a family. Um, you have Joey going off to LA to live with his sister? Question mark. Um, and and Phoebe sort of like ends up with uh, Mike at the very end of it. But every other character has something they're striving toward. Even Joey has, you know, his career is this big thing for him and, and he's very much striving to be this successful actor. And and by the end of the series he kind of like he kind of achieves that, we're told. Whereas whereas Phoebe, it, it really is all about this love story with Mike and, and she doesn't really want anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's a bit more resolved, isn't it? But for for her at that point and and uh, like I said, that progression is not necessarily as strong. So yeah, I think I think that's I think that's right. I mean, this is a completely aimless task, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, but, don't but, oh, don't undermine the entire podcast. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Don't, don't don't ask that question. But I think it, I think it does demonstrate, despite that, despite the the obvious differences in prominence and also in how developed they are, you, you couldn't really take one away. Do you know what I mean? From this show, you couldn't take Joey away, you couldn't take Phoebe away, and because there would be a gap there. And I think it does that really, really nice job of, of, of kind of trying to represent a, a different, a whole slew of different people. Granted, no minority, no minority faces at all. But in terms of you know nineties white America, it goes, it it does quite well to say ah. Oh. And I think there would have been, I'm just like Ross, I'm just like Chandler. Do you know what I mean? There would have been some of that. Um, so I think there's a real... I think you're right. And I think that, like you said, it's every character is a person. And, and that sounds daft because we're talking about sitcoms, which are about people. But in quite a lot of stuff, it's quite easy for a character to be a caricature of a person. Um, you know, to refer to The Simpsons again, a lot of flanderization of a character where... Um, 
you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, for instance, where these characters start out quite, you know, somewhat three dimensional, and then you know by the end of it, they are, you know, they have two character traits, and that's all they ever do, and all they ever, you know, do you know what I mean? That's all they ever get to do. Whereas in Friends, you know, thinking about sort of, you know, in the, this pilot episode, Chandler's kind of like the comedic relief. He's there to drop one liners, and but throughout the series series run, he is not the only character who is allowed to be funny. He is not the only character. Do you know what I mean? Other characters can make jokes. Other characters can be the comedic relief if the situation demands it. And I think that's quite like a competency of the writing that allows you to have six characters that can all be serious, can all be funny, um, can all be you know depressed, and can all go through their own troubles. And do you know what I mean? Come out the other side. It's it's nice for the writers to understand that. Mm. Yeah, and and as you said. It could it could have gone a very different way, couldn't it? And they could have taken this a, a different direction, and 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 we're and we're pressured to do so. You know, so good for them for kind of holding on to that. And it's kind of something I feel like the industry's been trying to, trying to. We talked on the Joey episode, obviously. The industry's been kind of been trying to recapture the magic of Friends ever since it went off the air. Um, and I don't think I don't think anything has achieved the heights of Friends. And I think part of that is. Because of when it aired, you know, um, by the time it finished, we were only a couple of years out from streaming and the declining importance of network TV and primetime sitcoms. And, yeah. you know, shows like How I Met Your Mother were, you know, d- released directly to sort of like try and try and recapture that. Um, and and nothing has like achieved it. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But it comes down to the competency of the premise and the competency of the people involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And trying to capture that is, you know, this is there's not it's not quite but there's almost still that monoculture thing going on isn't there that there isn't really there's there's five channels and that's it and so what else are you going to watch and i think the, the 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 distortion of that with the internet and then as you say streaming much later on i think it's it's almost impossible to capture that again i think something like 50 million people watched the um in the us watched the, the last episode and we just don't see numbers like that anymore. I mean, fifty million people. It's ex- and it's the most watched TV show of, of the two thousands because of that. I mean, the, we don't the see su- numbers the like that. Hundred million, exactly. You know we mean? don't see like... numbers like that outside of the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, which is kind of maybe astounding, World Cup really. finals. You know, in terms of, but but I think there's that era is gone, and I think they're not going to get it back. In the way that you know, as we mentioned on How I Met Your Mother. We should be prime audience for that show, and we weren't because the monoculture had been broken, and we didn't like what was left, you know, on the on the on the on the, on the channels as opposed to whatever. whatever. May, whereas maybe if we were five years older, we might have been sitting down on th- on a Thursday evening at eight pm. I think is when this, you know, that's the prime slot, um, and we might have been sitting down to watch the new Friends if we were five or six years older. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, for sure. So it's kind of interesting from that point of view. This was a really fun pilot to watch. Um, and, and you know, obviously everyone's heard of Friends and everyone knows Friends. And if you haven't watched it in a while, go and watch it again, especially in these uncertain times. It's it's so nice. Like an old friend, it's wonderful. Um, and it's horribly 90s. Everyone's dressed horribly and looks horrible. And, and that's kind of nice to watch as well. 
Um, this, this is this, we we come back to the nineties so much, even in the selection of, of movies and TV shows that we watch. It's because we're uh, incredibly bitter and jaded millennials, Sam. Well, that, that's what I honestly I think I think we are we are trying to go back to a time when you know twenty <laughs> somethings could live in Manhattan. And and yes, well, I know, I know. Don't mention that she's subletting from the grandmother and all that. These people can live and afford to live in Manhattan comfortably and go to you know spend hundreds of dollars on coffee every every yeah. every week. Well, I think here's a, a really real... notable thing. I texted you early, didn't I, Sam? Rachel in this episode has never had a job. She <laughs> did not go to college. She's mass. She's completely unqualified for anything. She moves in with Monica after leaving her husband at the altar. And a couple of days later, she has 12 job interviews in a day. Yeah. The amount of paperwork I would have to fill in today to have four job interviews in a day is insane. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, 12 job interviews would, would probably be as many job interviews as I went for when I was unemployed for six months after uni. You know what I mean? Like, it was completely... Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's just the difference in the economic downturn, you know, of... Companies don't want to waste their time. Whereas yeah. in 1994, maybe, you know, oh, we'll just, yeah, it's fine. We'll give you an interview, no problem. What else are we doing, you know? <laughs> so, yes, listener, we are better. We are better millennials who have lived through not one, but now two major economic crashes and a pandemic. Uh, so join Yay! us next week when we'll, when we'll um, see what other uh, 90s show we can reminisce about. Yes, so I think, Sam, I think we did talk, and I think we're going to try and do good-bad on the pilots. So strap in for next week, because it's going to be horrible. <laughs> A real hate watch. Yeah. A real hate watch. I think I have something in mind, but we'll, oh, we'll discuss okay. that offline. <laughs> All right, Sam, I will see you at the weekend. And before I go, and I'll forget again, tweet at us on Twitter at ImaginaryPod with any comments, or if you do, in fact, exist as a listener of this show. Yes, please let us know, and we'll see you next week next week.